Okay. Psalm 119, starting in verse 129. What's that, Bob? Psalm 119, verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. We're on page 9, moving along at a breakneck pace. So we are finishing uh, the last part of uh, verse 133. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And so we, we've already started this and um, I had uh, so we've already looked at letter I there. And then the second one, uh, a man leading his life without God and his word to guide him is rudderless. And in leading himself, he will come only to, to ruin. And I had a thought about that, that uh, that that. And, and I think it was Albie and Rocky that were talking before service tonight about how life is sometimes referred to as the sea of life. And that's a good analogy. And it's um, it's it's mentioned in the Bible in some different ways. And so I had this thought about that, 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 that without God guiding you, we're rudderless. But but being moved by the wind and the waves instead of going the direction that the Lord tells us uh, and following him by faith. And so that's what happens if you're not following the Lord Jesus and you're not walking with him and you're not a disciple of Christ, then you're out on the waves you're out of the ocean and different things are moving you. <laughs> and uh, and we, we talked also before service about how Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And there's uh, there's all kinds of doctrines uh, and, and that that there's there's so many warnings in the New Testament about false teachers. And so it's very important for us to make sure that we are following the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're students of the word of God, that we know what the Bible teaches. We know what we believe and why we believe it. So I have met many Christians and I'm not I'm not saying they're not saved, but I've met many Christians who believe what the pastor says the Bible says. Now, there's there's a problem there. You need to know what the Bible teaches and you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so and, and pastors said it before, if he's not teaching the Bible, we need to throw him out. If I am not teaching the Bible, I need to be gotten out of, out of uh, teaching. But you need to be able to spot doctrinal error. And, and for that matter, nobody's right all the time. And there, there might be shades where I have experience that anyway, anybody can be jaded a little bit by their experience. The point is, is you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what the truth of the word of God says so that you can spot truth and you can spot error. And so, again, there's just many things that, that are moving people and nobody is just neutral. A lot of people believe that they're just they're not they're not a religious freak and they're not a, a God hating atheist. <laughs> They're just kind of in between, just leave me alone. Nobody's neutral. Everybody's being moved. Every soul on the planet is being moved in a direction. And so, and we talked about James uh, chapter one, where he says, if you're, if you're not walking by faith, you're, you're moved by the, every wind and wave. And so now we're on letter three here, allowing iniquity to rule in your life has dreadful effect. And so there's different things we're going to look at, but I wanted to mention this first. And the psalmist of Psalm 119 repeats, 
over and over and over. You see some form of this, oh, how I love thy law, or how, oh, how I love thy precepts. I think nine different times in Psalm 119, there's some version of, oh, how I love thy law. And, uh, and, and one reason why is, is God's law keeps us from sin. And, uh, and it's a great reason to love his word, love the law, love the precepts. And, and uh, the Lord Jesus says in the New Testament, if you love me, keep my commandments, not for salvation, but because we love him. And he says, if you if you don't love me, you don't keep my word. And, there, and a lot of people can say, oh, I, I love the Lord, but they don't keep God's word. Actions speak louder than words. And so the point is, is we need to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be disciples of his and we need to love the Lord, love his word and uh, and keep it. And so, number one, and we're starting off here. Number one, Jehoram, the king of Judah, is an example of a man who rejected God's word and rule in his life and his in his. I'm sorry, who rejected God's word and rule in his life and, and kingdom uh, to the detri- detriment of all. So look with me in Second Chronicles 21. Second Chronicles 21. And some of these, there's there's a lot of places in the Bible and it's a sobering passage to read. And uh, there's there's good reason for it. So let's go ahead and read in uh, Second Chronicles 21, starting in verse one. I'll give you guys a second. Second Chronicles 21, verse one. <clears throat> All right. Second Chronicles, chapter 21, verse one. Now, Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers. And of course, Jehoshaphat was one of the godly kings of Israel. And so now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. And he had brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah and Jehiel and Zechariah and Azariah and Michael and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. And their father gave them great gifts of silver and of gold and of precious things with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom he gave to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now, when Jehoram was risen to up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword and diverse also of the princes of Israel. And that was not entirely unheard of in times past where kings that come to power remove any contender, any person that could make a challenge to the throne, they're removed. And so that it just was not unheard of. And of course, but that's a heathen. That was a heathen way of doing things. And so uh, verse five. Jehoram was 30 and two years old when he began to reign and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel like is to the house of Ahab. And by the way, when you see that phrase walked in the way of the kings of Israel from the time of the split from the kingdoms, when they split into two kingdoms, all the kings of Israel were bad. All of them, without exception. There's only one who was allowed to have a son to rule. And he had four four generations. That was Jehu because he actually executed God's will. But he he remained a, a, a proponent of worshiping idols. And so all the kings of Israel had this, this taint about them and they were not obedient to the, to the Lord. And so it says in verse six, and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so Ahab was notorious in the scriptures for being a wicked man and his wife was worse than he was. And so we'll talk more about that later as well. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. 
In his days, the Edomites revolted from under the, under the dominion of Judah and made themselves a king. Then Jehoram went forth with his princes and all his chariots with him, and he rose up by night and smote the Edomites, which compassed him in, and the captains of the chariots. So the Edomites revolted from under the hand of Judah unto this day. The same did also, same time also did Libna revolt from under his hand, because he had forsaken the Lord God of his fathers. Moreover, he made high places in the mountains of Judah, and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication, and compel Judah thereto. And so a lot of time when you see high places in the Bible, almost 100% of the time, not entirely, but almost 100% of the time that was to, to worship idols. Very rarely in the Old Testament were, was the Lord honored uh, uh, in, in that. And, and even then, it was still not right. You were supposed to go to the one place that God had set to, to, for the place of worship. And so um, this was a, another evil thing. It was, uh, it, was, uh, it was part of the idolatry that was overtaking the country because of the wickedness of the king. And so um, verse 12, And there came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, because thou hast not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat thy father, nor in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but hast walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and hast made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a-whoring, like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab, and also hast slain thy brethren of thy father's house, which were better than thyself. Behold, with a great plague will the Lord smite thy people, and thy children, and thy wives, and all thy goods. And thou shalt have great sickness by disease of thy bowels, until our bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. Now, if that sounds like a pretty extreme judgment, it's because it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably not something I should laugh about. Verse 16. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the, the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and break it and break into it and, um, and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house and his sons also and his wives, so that there was never a son left to him, left him save Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. And after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an, with an incurable disease. And it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness. So he died of sore diseases, and his people made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers. Thirty and two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and departed without being desired. Howbeit they buried him in the city of David, but not in the sepulcher of the kings. And so I hope uh, everybody here got the distinction of Jehoram, that he was an evil king. He, he brought about idol worship and wickedness and propagated it in Judah. And he kind of carbon copied the way things were happening in Israel, the, the divided kingdom and the other side, the way they were doing business. He took their ways and just just made Israel, Judah to go in the same direction. And so he had a lot of things happening there. So we'll just go by the points here. He first of all, he had a godly father in Jehoshaphat and grandfather and Asa. We see that in verse 12. So Jehoshaphat and Asa, both of them were kings that had followed the Lord. Asa was not a perfect king, neither was Jehoshaphat, but uh, they were men who had made a, a, a profound attempt to follow God. And both of them were corrected in different ways by God. And uh, so you see that it was expected of him. God had a special um, beef <laughs> with Jehoram. He had two good examples to follow, and instead he took the example of Israel. 
And again, Israel is, 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 is referring to the divided kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And uh, so Israel's example and Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Now Jezebel was the, was the daughter of, if I remember correctly, uh, it was either Tyre or Sidon. I don't know if anybody remembers. Uh, it was either Tyre or Sidon, heathen kingdom. And it was to the north, I believe. And, and so anyway, uh, Jezebel was a very wicked woman. <laughs> Uh, and it was, and anyway, we could go on about her, but Je- Jezebel was an extremely wicked woman and she stirred up her husband in so many evil ways. And so Jehoram took their example, the ways to do business and, and went that way instead of following his father and his grandfather's example. And so we, we just talked about that. Number two, he had Ahab's daughter to wife. Um, and the daughter uh, and, and Jezebel who had uh, stirred up Ahab to do evil. So uh, number three, few kings let evil have sway in his life as Jehoram. And the Lord gave message to him through Elijah, the prophet, rebuking him. And so I have this note about that. Uh, even Ahab feared when God sent him a word of rebuke. And let, turn, so turn with me or, or, or just listen, whatever you want to do. <laughs> First Kings. Uh, so there's a stern rebuke in First Kings 21. Verse 17. So again, Ahab is a very wicked king. And, and, and again, kind of a notorious in the scriptures. And so first Kings, this is God's rebuke to him. First Kings chapter 21, verse 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. So this is right off right after uh, the story or the, the what the, the record of Naboth. Naboth had a vineyard and Ahab wanted it. And uh, Nahab said, I'm not going to give you my father's inheritance. This is this is a part of my heritage. And so uh, so Jezebel got wind of this and she had false witnesses stand up and say, we heard Jezebel uh, curse God and the king. And it was it was a lie. But the elders, they they got the word from Jezebel to, to get these these false witnesses. And they testified and they had Naboth killed. And Jezebel comes home and says, take the vineyard. It's yours. And so as Ahab has gone to the vineyard, and I don't think it's possible to say that Ahab was completely ignorant about what his wife was doing. So verse 17, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, in in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, Shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine? And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and and left in Israel, and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat. And like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things, as did the, did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. So you see this record. It's bad. This is an evil man. He has done evil things. But 
He has this, verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay down, lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah the Tishbite saying, Seest thou how Ahab humble himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. And by the way, he did not completely escape this. He was judged. Uh, it's just that all the evil that he said that he was going to do to Ahab's house, he brought it in his son's days. So listen, Ahab was a wicked man, but he had this thing going for him. When God said, I'm bringing judgment on you, he feared. He believed it was going to happen. And he, you saw him, he, he, he fasted, he, he, he put off his kingly robes and he put sackcloth on and he lay in ashes and he feared and he walked softly. It wasn't business as usual. So he had this going for him. When he, God sent this rebuke, he feared. And it's, it's wisdom. Ahab wasn't wise in almost anything else in life, but when God rebuked him, he feared. What does the Bible say? The beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so listen, <laughs> Ahab has something that Jehoram does not have. And let me just go a little bit further and say he has something that most people in America don't have. Now, America has some of, uh, of the same accountability that Ahab does. Now, I, I would not venture to say that, that they have the, uh, I'm sorry, Jehoram. Jehoram had a godly father and a godly grandfather. And I don't know if everybody in America has that, but I imagine most people may. I don't know. I, I, I don't. You guys can help me decide. I don't know the accountability that Americans have, but I know they have some accountability. There is some presence of God still in our nation or the fear of God, I should say the fear of God. There's churches all over the place and certainly a lot of the things going on in those churches are not all good. And many, many doctrinal errors going on in most most places. But listen, People have some accountability in America and God's work in our country has been I, I, I've, I've thought about it a lot late recently about how blessed our nation still is. We still have so many things to be thankful for. And listen, I think we could be energy independent in a short time if only we had the wherewithal in our government to do so. But instead, we I, I'm, I'm not going. No, nope, no, nope, I'm not going to go. Not going to go off. The point is, is that God has blessed this nation. And I listen, I'm America, the people of America are riding the coattails of the previous generation's blessings. So many things. And that, listen, there's there's been so much corruption, so much corruption from the top to the bottom in our country. The only solution to these problems is a personal decision to fear God and follow him. And I can't I cannot make the whole nation decide, but I can decide for myself and I can do what I can to be a, a witness and a blessing to our family and to whoever else I can be. A, a, I can be an influence on. I can ask God to help me somehow be a witness, a testimony of God's grace and goodness. Really, I, I can't make anybody acknowledge or fear God. But I can walk in the fear of the Lord myself. And that that is something, you know, and, and if people want to dismiss when you say the Lord is the one I put my trust in, I, I trusted the Lord for my salvation. I trust in the Lord for my family and I's daily needs. And I trust my trust the Lord for the future. And they could say, well, that's 
That's foolish. But that's their decision. (laughs) My decision is to fear God and to walk in his ways. I can't decide for anybody else. So anyway, that's that's what we're supposed to do. So this is all about about Jehoram, of course, still. So back in Second Chronicles 21. So uh, th- we were just talking about the, that even Ahab feared God or feared when God sent him a word of rebuke. And so uh, the, the second note about that is Jehoram did not fear God. And we'll get more about that in, in, a, in a minute here. But Jehoram did not fear God, even even at God's rebuke. And you notice this this was. This, this was not a sudden thing that happened. He had many years in which to calculate what's going on. Now, I, I, we, we've talked with our kids for many years, you know. Listen, if something bad happens, it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. But it's a good idea to go to God and say, Lord, if, if, I, if, you're, if, you're, if you're correcting me, help me know what I need to correct. Help me know what I need to get right. Because, listen, we do make... All of us need correction. All of us. And it would be it would be good for us to be e- to be in the place where we could be easily corrected by God. The Holy Spirit could put a little bit of pressure on the heart and say, this is not the way I want you to go. It would be good if we could simply turn at God, simply laying his hand on our heart and speaking quietly to our hearts and our minds. It would be good if we could say, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's bad is when. Is when you you should be able to be corrected by God and you can't be corrected by God. That's bad. That's bad for the entirety of the human race. When God would like to correct us and help us to walk with him and instead people won't listen. That's a bad thing. So Jehoram did not fear. So number four in, uh, in the notes is God stirred up enemies from all around Judah and they break it and carried away everything. So again, there's this there's this uh, this track. That at the beginning, things are happening, then things are continuing to happen, going bad. And these, these, all these enemies being stirred up. By the way, same thing happened to Solomon, too, towards the end of his life. The Bible says his, his many wives turned his heart away from God. Many foreign wives, they turned his heart away from God. And he began to do some, some of these same wicked things. And God stirred up enemies against Solomon. And he did it in a major way with Jehoram. And so you see all these things happen. And then verse 16 and 17, moreover, the Lord, Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines. And, of course, he, done, he had done... Um, the Edomites and the and Libna before. And so now, again, it just keeps ratcheting up. Moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram, the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and break into it and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house and all and his sons also and his wives. So not even just his material wealth, but his wives and his children, so that there was never a son left to, left him, save Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. And so um, how many and so my, my point about that also is that uh, how many others were affected by Jehoram's sin? Well, his whole family, not certainly because they, they were taken away captive by uh, by these uh, enemies that were raised up. But the whole kingdom was suffering. The whole entire kingdom under Jehoram was suffering the judgment that came upon them. Now, listen, they, they had culpability as well. Whenever a king leads you in worship to false gods, you should say no. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it's just not unheard of that people follow leadership. When, when, and it happens throughout the Old Testament. When, when the leaders, when you had a godly king in Israel, you know, and he, like, to me, Josiah is, is, is outside of David, the best example. 
He didn't. At no point do you see Josiah fearing what the people will say or do, because that's that's kind of what Saul did. He had anxiousness, fear about what the people would do. But Josiah, everywhere he went, he is doing God's will. He even went so far as to go into Israel's lands and start burning their altars to false gods. And he even <laughs> he even dug up the bones of the priests of, the, of those false gods and burned those bones on the altar. He he was very zealous for God, and God blessed him. Over and over and over. The way we see God over and over bringing judgment on Jehoram, he blessed Jehoshaphat. Or, I'm sorry, Josiah. So, listen, that is the equation. And it doesn't mean your life will be perfect. It means that to have God's help and continual strength and peace and blessings, it's by following God. You're going to have enemies. You're going to have the trials of life. You're going to have all those things. But to have God's blessings, they come following God. And if you don't, well, if you if you know, if you're supposed to be following God, instead, you're not following God, you're not doing his will, then you're going to have the trials of life. And if you're a child of God, you're also going to have a father correcting you. That's the way it is. So the only way for a child of God to be is to fear God and keep his commandments. And listen, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but there's so many times, so much of the time that I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> listen, God's grace is always sufficient. His, his ability to help us do his will is always enough. Never is it, there's, there's never a time in which you can say, I can't obey God because I got this deficiency in me. That does not fly. God tells us to obey him and he'll he will be with us. And, and I, I've always thought of this as kind of a an neat way of thinking about it. We sometimes are have to step out in faith, but we can't always see where the steps going. You don't always know how it's going to play out. God says, do this. And you're afraid to do it. Anybody else ever felt that way before? You knew what God wanted you to do, but you were scared to do it for whatever reason. Insecurity or whatever. I can't speak well. That's what Moses said. Listen. God says, obey. <laughs> and I've always thought of this, that we, we sometimes step, we feel like we're stepping off a cliff. But when you put that foot down, it lands every time. Because God is with us when we're doing his will. And I, I love how the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, you know, that, that uh, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. And he says, take my yoke upon you. For I am, I, I, I got to turn, I'm going to misquote it. <laughs> Matthew 11, verse 28. That's my mind these days. It, it starts, starts quoting something that it can't finish. <laughs> Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's so interesting that we often approach what God tells us to do is, oh, I can't do that. It's too, it's too hard or it's scary or something else. And yet the Lord Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Who's in the yoke with us? Jesus Christ is in the yoke with us. What's too heavy for him? Nothing. Our place is to trust God and obey him about everything. There's not anything that you can find in this word that he does not expect us to obey by faith. Simply by faith, except this is what God wants me to do. He can help me do it. But instead, our flesh gets in the way and says, I don't want to do it. And that's often the problem. It's, it's often I don't want to do it. And so um, back in your notes, God stirred up enemies from all around Judah and they break it or actually should be break into it and carried away everything, including his wives and children. And uh, so number five, God smote him 
with an incurable disease. And I think this is really the point. This is the sharp end of his judgment. This is this is this is the point at which this is the warning sign, the shot across the bow for everybody who reads this. <laughs> this is something we are meant to learn from. Seriously, everybody in this room, we're all meant to learn from what happened to Jehoram. Jehoram, God gave him this warning. He had eight years. Listen, if God wanted to, he could have slain him the first day. God didn't have to wait at all. And, and I think over and over and over, you see it through many different people's lives. Saul, so many others. Uh, you see God giving them opportunities to learn. Opportunities to repent. Opportunities to recognize, you know what? I'm blowing it. I'm getting myself and people all around me in trouble. I'm going to do things God's way. Well, whatever the case is, Jehoram did not. And so it says after verse 18, And after all this, the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable disease. And it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness, so he died of sore diseases. Listen, folks, I don't know anybody else in the Bible, not anybody in the Bible who died in a more horrible way than Jehoram. I can't imagine. <laughs> Listen, it just shakes me up just reading that. <laughs> and again, I think very clearly we are meant to learn from this. The Bible says in the New Testament, these things are written for our learning. They're, they are meant to instruct us. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's going to be the end of Ecclesiastes when pastor gets to the end of it. You know, this this man, Solomon, God gave him the wherewithal to go down every path under the sun. And he finally, you get to the chapter 12, you get to the end of it, and he says, there's only one conclusion. Fear God and keep His commandments. And you're like, whoa, that's too, that's too straightforward. That's too easy. How could the most wise man outside of the Lord Himself that ever walked the face of the earth just come to such a simple conclusion? It's because it's meant to be simple. Fear God and keep His commandments. Listen, America is filled with pitfalls. Melissa and I, I, you know me, I'm always late everywhere I go. So we're coming around the corner on the way to church here, right over here, this corner right over here. And I've hit this pothole like three weeks in a row on Wednesday nights. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my car, but it does not take potholes well. So it hits the pot and goes, bang! <laughs> oh, should I both ah, pray for the car? <laughs> What's that? I know which one you're talking yes, about. Yes, and listen, uh, life in America is filled with potholes. It's filled with dangers. It is filled with things we need to be concerned about. And I feel so... I feel empathy... For the youth in our country that it seems I could be wrong. I don't know, but it seems like they're all going downhill on greased skids. And listen, everywhere they turn, they're being told lies everywhere. And so it doesn't surprise me that they can't think their way out of a paper bag. But it's it's common now. now I don't know. I, I, I would be more surprised. I mean, Fred, praise the Lord. You met a doctor that said, I'm going to pray for you. That's far from common. Thank God for that. I had a, never mind, I'm not going to tell that either. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you. I had, a doc, <laughs> I had a doctor tell me, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> anyway, the, the long story short is he put the health of everybody else in the world above my health. I mean, he said it, not so many words. 
you know, and, and so anyway, uh, to have a doctor who fears God and says, I will pray for you. That's a blessing. That's a great blessing. And so, again, God smote him. The, the, number five in the notes, God smote him with an incurable disease and he died of sore diseases. And the Bible says without being desired. Listen, all that evil, all that wickedness giving place to it will not make you happy. It cannot make you happy. It cannot give you a lasting legacy. The only way to have that is to follow the Lord. So I had this note underneath that. Jehoram's life and death clearly was meant to be a warning, a rebuke to those who would disregard God's warning against sin and iniquity. That goes back to Psalm, verse 133 of Psalm 119. You know, uh, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Is that what it says? Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You know, listen, you can read the Bible. You can just read it like words. And I mean, all of us can have that happen. You can just get up and read your Bible (laughs) and it can just be words. And you just sort of read it without thinking about it. And listen, we're all capable of doing that. But listen, this is a very, a very astute observation. Order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Who we need to have dominion over us is the Lord. (laughs) My life needs to be in his hands. Listen, I can't see or think clearly without him. He sees and thinks clearly at all times. Not only does he see my life perfectly, but he knows the future. He knows the past. He knows everybody else's future and past. And he's given us his word so that we can have the guidance that we need to follow him and have a life that will have a lasting impact for the world. We've all heard the phrase, you know, of, of essentially having a life that leaves the world in a better place than it was before we got here. I, I, I want that for me and my wife and my family. I, I pray the Lord help, help me have an impact that leaves the world in a better place. And of course, that's not for my glory. It's so that my life meant something for the Lord, I guess is what I'm trying to say. That my life was something that God could use to accomplish his will, that he would be glorified. And so my final note about this is, is to me, I think a, a very profound question about Jehoram is, why couldn't Jehoram, Jehoram fear God and repent at the Lord's rebuke? God gave him this, this stern rebuke, told him, he laid it out for him, everything that was going to happen. Why couldn't he repent? Why couldn't he acknowledge, man, I, I don't want to do this sin against God and him bring this judgment again into my life? Why couldn't he do that? Again, even Ahab, wicked king that he was, even he could fear enough that he could not just take this lying down. He was afraid. And, he, and, and it, to me, it's astounding that God would say to Elijah, do you see? Do you see how Ahab humbled himself before me? And so God, God took the punishment and he made it fit Ahab's life. That fear of God benefited Ahab in that moment. And I don't think the, the testimony of Ahab in the Bible leads you to think that he was saved. I don't think he was. But he did have enough fear that, you know, God didn't ha- have to lay everything on him that, uh, that he said he was going to. Jehoram is not that way. Jehoram, you know, after everything that happened, he came to this, this horrible, horrible end. And so the question is, is why couldn't Jehoram fear God, um, fear God and repent at the Lord's rebuke? And the answer is just this. Sin ruled his life. Sin ruled in his life. You ever met someone who is a drug addict or an alcoholic? And I mean, their whole lives are, are beyond just falling apart. They can't hold a job. 
They can't, uh, they can't have a family. They lose everything. They're living on the streets. And yet they can't seem, they can't seem to make any good decisions. Well, in some cases, it's because sin is ruling their life. Because listen, if, if any one of them turned to the Lord and people, people would say, hey, Brett, that's simplistic way you're thinking. But listen, this is the truth. If you turn to God and say, Lord, I cannot get myself free. I cannot break these chains. God can. God can deliver people. That's why these there's, there's alcoholic anonymous. Other people have these these different programs and many of them incorporate the fear of God into them. Alcoholics Anonymous in particular was was known for this, that you could not get through this, this getting away from alcohol without a fear of God. It's changed in later years, I think, to a higher power. But it it began, if I remember correctly, anybody knows better, please (laughs) let me know. But it began with you can't get free without God's help. And that is the truth. And I think I think if anybody in the world were to turn to God and say, I can't break these chains then I, I know God. I know him from what who, his character in the Bible. He would respect that fear. There's a, there's a king. I can't remember. Joe, 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 uh, Jabez, Jabez, Jabez's prayer. And it's, uh, oh, Lord, I, uh, I, I would that you'd increase my borders and let me always have enough. And I can't remember Jabez's prayer. It's in the Christian bookstore. You can find it somewhere. But and the Bible says he he gave him that which he had asked. And that was just, you know. Lord, I, I want you to bless me. Think about uh, Jacob, how he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long. And uh, the angel of the Lord said, let me go for the day breaks. And of course, the angel of the Lord couldn't be held by a puny little human being. But, <laughs> but he let him. He let him hold on to him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Miss Norma. And that's true because I saw it in my daddy. Amen. He drinks for so many years. Amen. Praise God. Then I can tell you it is true what you have said because I can prove it with my dad, even though he's now in heaven waiting for me there. Mm-hmm. Amen. And you know, I, and, and many of us, many of us in this room, I'm sure, could testify that God did things in answer to prayer that we could not have done on our own. And I, I have things of my own, you know, that I could tell you that I could not get free, and it took God's work in my life to get me free. I remember I was telling this lady at work that how I had tried Nicorette gum and I had tried a, a Navy's uh, smoking cessation class and patches. I mean, Melissa and I were bad. <laughs> I was worse, but she was bad too. <laughs> yeah, I, could, I could have that, that, that nic- nicotine patch on my arm, rip it off, and then light up a cigarette right away. <laughs> I mean, it was dumb. You know, and I just, I was so addicted. I was so incredibly ingrained in, in it. Um, and anyway, the point is, I was telling a lady at work this, that, that I, I couldn't get free. And at one point, I, I, we felt like God was, had brought us to a point where we would not be able to keep growing, keep, you know, the pastor told us he wanted to do some things. And I felt like this was in the way. And I said, Lord, I can't quit. I need you to make me quit. I can't quit. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, 
we uh, we went to a friend's house of some friends back here in Virginia. This is when we lived in New Jersey, and uh, and uh, that this these friends didn't smoke. So <laughs> and so it's like a four hour drive back to where we lived in New Jersey, and I'm I'm driving like this all the way down the road because I I remember there's a half a pack of cigarettes in a jacket pocket, and I'm so I would I didn't talk to her, I didn't talk to anybody. I'm just driving like this. <laughs> And my intent was that I, we, we got in there. I shut off the car. I didn't help her with bags. I didn't do anything. I ran into the house. I grabbed the jacket. I took the cigarettes out. I went out to the back porch and I put the cigarette in my mouth. And I, <laughs> and I could not make my thumb go down on the wheel. And I'm just <laughs> I had every intention of lighting up that cigarette. And I had several episodes like that over the next weeks and months. And I kept dreaming that I was smoking <laughs> and waking up feeling guilty. And then uh, like an hour later, it dawned on me, oh, it was a dream. <laughs> and anyway, I was telling a lady at work like that. And she was she she very clearly did not believe me, you know, and uh, and she goes, that's that's good for you. I'm glad for you that that worked out. I can't do that. I said, oh, you're not understanding. I couldn't do it either. And uh, she didn't believe me. But uh, yeah. go ahead. It was so bad. Like I would quit. And he would keep smoking in secret because he know he knew yeah. I would start back if I knew if, if I knew he was smoking I was going to get that pack out of that coat too and I was going to have one but he would come home from yeah. work oh he honey would, <laughs> he would stick his head out the window to get <laughs> he would coffee in his mustache and then he would get home and he'd pick a fight with me and say I'm going for a walk and I'm like My I'd pick a fight who said, who said maybe you pick the fight <laughs> so one day we were at a church picnic and I'm like where's uh, and I look over there behind a pine tree. There's a puff of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and I walked over to the puff of smoke. It's like, and that's when I found out he was smoking again because he had hit it all that time. Sorry. Are you done? Well, that was. <laughs> that's how hard it was. No, it was. I, <laughs> there is more, brother. If you if you have time, there's hours more. <laughs> So listen, I, the, the truth is, is there is not anything that God cannot overcome for us. And, and I, I let, and anyway, the point is, is that the fear of the Lord, that, that touches every aspect of life. You fear God. You, 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 are, you have concern about what God thinks of your life, of your thoughts, of your intentions, of everything. You know, and uh, there's a verse in Hebrews that says that the word of God is quick and sharper than a two edged sword, dividing even to between the soul and sunder and is a thought and it is. I'm sorry, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God knows who we are, why we do what we do. (laughs) Our place is to fear him and to put his will over my will. And listen, that it's the only recipe for life that gets you through it, not just getting through it, but bringing glory to God. You and I cannot glorify God except He should give us a grace to fear Him and walk with Him and obey His commandments. So we just finished up this section. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Um, well, we have a minute. Does anybody have any prayer? Uh, any questions or comments? Okay. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of who you are. Thank you, Lord, for these these. Uh, exhortations in your word lord rebukes that we see that we can take note of that we can um, that we can be wary of lord that we not be walking in such a way that is displeasing to you and be uh, concerned for our own our own lives that they be with that which is pleasing to you please help us to walk with you and please help everyone here every family every home 
and uh, help us, Lord, to be your people and bring glory to you. Bless uh, everyone to get home safely tonight. Bring us back at the next time. We do thank you and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.